Um, we've been studying in the book of James, and um, we've been talking about the mouth and how it's important to, James says, the mouth uh, has the power of life and death, that blessing and curses are coming from the same mouth, and that should not be, and that we need to watch what we're saying, and we've talked in previous weeks about how we use our mouth to curse or we use our mouth to bless. We talked about using our mouth to say the same things as God says, to speak his word, to um, speak to our situations, and we've talked in, in the book of James about faith always manifesting in obedience and actions and how we say we have faith, but we need to back it up with our actions and and we've been learning about how not to just have faith, but to manifest it in what we say and what we do. And, and how if we really believe, we will do what God says, even when it doesn't make sense. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that tonight. Because who knows, sometimes God's word doesn't make sense. Sometimes it seems ridiculous. Sometimes it seems foolish. The Bible says that God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. It doesn't always make sense. And that's what I want to talk to you uh, about a bit tonight. But would you just pray with me before we begin? Father, you know that I have a lot in my heart and a lot on my mind and a lot that I want to say and I just thank you that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. And that there's an anointing that you promise that breaks every yoke. And Father, I just ask that you pour out that anointing upon me tonight, upon your people tonight. And Lord, that you would fill my mouth with your words and that you would make sense of everything that you've deposited in me and help me to clearly and effectively minister it tonight. Thank you that you're a God of order. And I pray that you'd order my words. And I pray that you'd make my mouth like a sharpened sword. And that your word would penetrate as it pours forth from my lips. And that it would truly change and transform us tonight. Bring clarity, Lord. Bring effectiveness and help me to do it with great boldness and great confidence. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, you can open them to the book of Joshua. We're going to read briefly in Joshua chapter 1, and then we'll flip over to Joshua chapter 6. It's a familiar story. Many of you know it. Um, I love the Old Testament because it has such uh, typology in there. There's, um, there's such pictures of what God is doing in our lives today, and I know that, that many of you know this story, but I hope that we can shine some light on it tonight and that you'll see it in a way that you haven't seen it before. You know that Joshua, uh, this book begins to take place, and we're, we're going to talk about Jericho tonight, but um, Joshua really, um, it, is, it takes place after God's people were brought out of Egypt. You know the story that, that God's people, the Israelites, were, were taken captive, were in bondage to the Egyptians. They had a cruel taskmaster. He, he was a fair, his, it was Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh is a picture of Satan. And he was a cruel taskmaster to God's people. And, and Egypt is a picture of the world and how you and I were, were 
captive and enslaved by the world, by slay it by sin. That was our cruel taskmaster. And, and, and you know the story that God's people cried out to him, just like you and I cried out to him when he saved our soul and delivered us out of slavery, out of slavery to sin. And God's people cried out to him. And, and the Bible says that he heard their cries and that he raised up a deliverer. And his name was Moses. You know that. And Moses is a picture of, of the deliverer that you and I have. His name is Jesus. And, and he raised up uh, Moses and he says, I want you to go set my people free. And Moses said, who am I? I can't even speak, speak properly. And you want me to go and, and set your people free. And who shall I tell them sent me? Because they're going to want to know. And, and, and God says, tell them I am. Everything that they have need of, I will be for them. And, and you know the story. Moses goes into Egypt. He takes the people, sets them, God sets them free. And then they begin to go out into the wilderness. And you know they crossed the Red Sea. God miraculously lifted up the waters of the Red Sea. They crossed on dry ground. Um, they, they begin what should have been a very short trip through the wilderness into the promised land, and it really, what should have been a short trip, took 40 years. It wasn't a short trip for them because of their disobedience, because of their unbelief. It's interesting to me that the, the, the people, the Israelites, had a promise, a promise that reached back way uh, to, to Abraham, their father. And, and you know the father of many nations. God says to Abraham, Abraham, I am going to raise you up and I'm going to make you father of many nations. And I have this land that I'm going to give to you. It's a promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land of abundance. Abraham, and I'm going to give it to you. I have given it to you, Abraham, to you and to your descendants. And so the Israelites, Abraham's descendants, had that promise of God that they were going to get a land that's flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance. It was a promised land. They had a promise from God. And so even when they were in slavery, they had that promise, and God's promises never fail. And so even though they were being uh, uh, enslaved by a cruel taskmaster, God set them free, and at just the right time, he delivered them, and he gave them that promise to remember, and he said, I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And his intention was that it would be a short trip through the wilderness, straight to the promised land, but they did not believe God. They struggled with unbelief. And the same is true of you and I because we were once slaves to sin. We were in this world and we had a cruel taskmaster and, and God sent a deliverer and his name was Jesus and he set us free from sin, from being a slave to sin. And we now, are, are we have the promises of God, the word of God, they're yea and amen to those who what? believe. But we struggle with the same thing that God's people, the Israelites, struggled with in the wilderness, unbelief. God, do you really mean what you say? Are you really going to fulfill your promises to me? Did you mean it when you said it? I just don't know. And so we struggle with unbelief. And many of us here tonight are in a spiritual wilderness. We love God. We're devoted to God. We've committed our life to him. We've been, slave, we've been set free from being slaves to sin. And yet we still struggle with unbelief. And is there any wonder that we're in a wilderness in our life? Because God says, I have a promised land for you. He says, I have a promised land. If you open up to Joshua chapter 1, I want to show you something in this story. 
After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. And I want to just stop there and tell you, you need to know that Joshua was not his original name. His original name was Hoshea. And right before Joshua went in under Moses to spy in the promised land, you know the story, that, that, that Moses uh, sent 12 spies into the promised land, into the land that God had promised to spy out the land, to tell them what kind of people were there, to tell them what kind of produce was there. And I believe, it's just me, I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't believe that Moses sent them in to see if it could be conquered. Are you with me? Because God had already told them that he had given it to them. See, that's so important. Because sometimes when we read the word of God, we look at this and we say, does this really apply to me? Will this really work in my life? And you need to know it's already been given to you. This promise is yea and amen to those who believe. This book is full of promises that God really has given you. It's just up to you to take possession of it. And you see, I believe that Moses knew that God had said, I'm giving you this land flowing with milk and honey. It's yours already. You just need to go take possession of it. And I believe at that time that the Israelites were growing discouraged in the wilderness. And so I think that God wanted to give them a, you know, a, a, a shot in the arm and he, was, he wanted them to just taste and get excited about the promise. Church, I just need to tell you, we need to begin to get excited about the promises of God. We need to get in the, into the word. We need to go on a spy mission and we need to, to discover what the promises of God really look like and how great they are. And then we need to say, this, we can have this. We can take possession of this. But you know the story. Twelve spies went into the promised land to spy it out. And what happened? Ten come back with a bad report. Now, they all saw the same thing. That's important that you hear that because, you know, you and I are walking the same Christian walk. We all read the same Bible. We all see the same promises. And, and 12 spies went in, and 12 spies saw the same thing. Only 10 came back with a bad report, and they said, the people are unbelievable. They're giants, and, and we were like grasshoppers in their eyes, and, and you know, there's just no way that we, can, we can't take this. This, this. We can't conquer these people, and they're bigger than we are, and, and we really can't take possession of this. It's just not, it's too bad. I'm sorry. But Joshua and Caleb, which, by the way, Caleb, uh, God describes him as a man of a different spirit, an opposite spirit, and I love that because uh, what that meant was even though he saw the same thing, he came back with a different heart, a different spirit. And sometimes when, when people come at us, when, when we're dealing with situations, when we walk into a charged atmosphere, if we can choose to be a man or a woman of an opposite spirit, you come at me with anger, I'm going to come at you with the opposite spirit. And, and, and God likes that. I really believe that. But when everybody else is given a bad report, if we can give a good report, we become a Caleb, a, a man or a woman of, of a different spirit, an opposite spirit. And so Caleb and Joshua, which before he went in on this spy mission, his name was Hoshea. And that word means salvation. And Moses, before he went in on this spy mission, Moses changes his name, and I love it. He changes it to Joshua, and Joshua means the Lord is salvation. So his name first was Hoshea, salvation, deliverance. Changes it before he goes in to see this country full of giants. To the Lord is salvation. The Lord is your deliverance. 
And so every time his name is being said, he understands the Lord is salvation. That's being spoken. I love that. Because the story we're going to read about Joshua, you'll need to know that that will have to be first and foremost in his mind all the time, that the Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is the one who brings wholeness. The Lord is my conquering king. The Lord is my rescue. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is everything I have need of. And if that's what's guiding me, if that's what's directing me, if that is the core belief that I have, nothing's impossible. I can encounter anything victoriously. And, and so Joshua and Caleb come back and they say, uh, you know, yeah, we saw the same thing, but let me tell you what, God has said he's given this to us, and that is what I know. I heard him say it, and so I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be moved by giants. I'm not going to be moved by what looks unconquerable. I'm not going to be look, I'm not going to be moved by what looks impenetrable. Here's what God has said. He gave it to us. That settles it. I don't care what the obstacles look like. I am going to choose to not be moved by them. I'm going to be moved by God. And so Caleb and Joshua give a good report, and they say, this thing, we can do it. We can do it. Do you know that nobody else got to taste the promised land except Joshua and Caleb? That God waited till all of those generations died off, and then the Israelites went in and took the promised land. I love it because scripture says that Joshua and Caleb, that the people wanted to stone them because of the report they were bringing. Can I tell you that anytime you walk in obedience to God's word, anytime you hold God's word up with high regard, anytime that, that, that you give a report that somebody else doesn't like, anytime that you seem whacked out or way too much, can I just tell you, the world will want to stone you. The world will not be supportive of you. The world will make a fool out of you. And that's what they did to Joshua and Caleb. Do you know how many people? 600,000 Israelites came out of, out of Egypt. That's not including the, the women and the children. And that's how many people came up against Joshua and Caleb. Two men with a good report. Everybody else is against them. I wonder how they could stand. But you see, that's what we do in the world today. If somebody doesn't like you and they think you're too much and they think you're too, they're a strong cup of coffee and that Rhea, she's whacked out and she's way too much a Jesus freak, we back down and we water it down because we want that acceptance. I love that Joshua and Caleb said whatever. I, I, I'm choosing to believe God over everything else. And so Joshua and Caleb, they go into, they, they uh, are going to take possession. Joshua's going to take possession of the promised land. And that's where this story picks up. Moses is now dead. He never, he did not get to go in and see the promised land. He fell short of that. And, and so verse 1 picks up, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. I want you to just notice there. I'm giving it, Joshua. I'm giving it. You're leading them in, but this is my work and I'm doing it. You just happen to be the conduit, the vessel that I'm choosing to use it. And dear ones, can I just tell you, whatever God is asking you to do, maybe he's asking you to share your faith with a woman at work. Maybe he's asking you to, to, um, to, to do something that's way over the top. Can I just tell you it's God doing it in you? You're just the conduit. You're just the copper pipe. I'll never forget, I was on my treadmill in the basement uh, one day and I was meditating, you know, just on God. 
God's word and, and a task that he had given me that just seemed too big for, for me to take to, to, to do. And I was on my treadmill and I was talking to the Lord about it and I looked up and there were copper pipes going through the ceiling in our basement. And I remember looking at those copper pipes and God saying, Rhea, that's you. You're just a copper pipe. You're just a conduit for me to get through to get to where I'm going to get to whatever I'm doing. You are just a copper pipe. You're really nothing, Rhea. And, and so the sooner you realize that the better vessel you're going to be for me to use, you're just a conduit. And that was Joshua, and he understood that. He understood that. He said, I, the Lord says, I'm giving them this land, and every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. It's important that you know that this word, where is my Bible? right in front of me, oh my goodness, that this word is God's promise to you. It's God's promises to me. And what he's saying to Joshua is every place you step your foot in faith, I will give to you. Can I tell you these, words, this, these promises are yea and amen to those who believe. God's word is already settled in heaven. He's not sorry that he said it. It's without repentance. And can I tell you that when you step in faith with God's word, every place you step your foot, he'll give to you. He will reward a step in faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who believe God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so every place you step your foot, I will give to you. And then he, he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. I've heard people quote that scripture a million times. Just be strong and courageous. The Lord your God is with you. Have you not heard that? But I want you to look at the context that that is spoken in. He says only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law. Can I tell you, it takes, that word strong means strong in the mind. And courageous and it takes strength and courage to obey this word it takes strength and courage to say no to what the world is saying yes to it takes strength and courage to 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 give up and die to what you want knowing that God's way is the right way he says only be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left why that you may prosper wherever you go the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, after you do according to all that's written in this word, for then you will make your way prosperous. I want you to see you make your way prosperous by obeying this word, by doing this word. Not God, God bless me, make my way prosperous. No, Rhea, you do according to my word and it will automatically make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Turn over to chapter six now. 
Now you need to know that those were Joshua's uh, instructions that he received from the Lord. God is saying, be strong and of good courage. Don't let the book, the, 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 the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it, that you'll be prosperous. Follow my way, Joshua, because my way is the right way. My way is the way to success. My way is the way to prosper in life. And he's saying, don't be afraid because I'm with you. And as I was with Moses, I will be with you and no man can stand against you. And I have already given you this land. So he's backing up his promise. And, and Joshua can be confident because he's, he knows that the Lord is with him and that no matter what he faces, he is facing with the Lord who's promised to never leave him and never forsake him. Do you know that God is with you like a mighty warrior? Do you know that everything you do, everywhere you go, God is with you and that he will never forsake you. He will never relax his hold on you. I don't care who's against you. If you can come to that settled place of knowledge, knowing that whatever I'm facing, God is with me. I already have the victory. I don't fight for victory. I fight from victory. The victory is already secured for me. I have some promises that I need to step into by faith, but every place I step my foot in faith will be given to me. That's my promise from God. Why would we not want to step in faith? Last night, Dave and I were discussing something that looked kind of bleak. It, it looked like it was kind of hopeless. And, and, and we were sitting in bed talking about this. And I said, Davey, let me just pray right now. And I began to pray from a place of faith. I, I began to pray, Lord, I believe that you're going to take care of this situation. I believe that you're going to change hearts. You can change the hearts of a king. You can certainly change this person's heart. I thank you, Father, that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and nothing's impossible for you. And this financial issue is not impossible for you. And I thank you that you're giving Dave favor right now. I thank you, Father, and I begin to just pray. But there was a prayer of faith that I, I was looking at a situation that looked bleak. And I, I started to say, wait a second. God is with us. We walk in favor. We have the favor of God. And I just was sure. I got up this morning. I was getting ready for work. I threw a load of laundry in before I went to work. And, and I'm standing in my laundry room, putting that laundry in. And I just began to pray again, thanking God for favor, thanking God that he was changing that situation. I got in the shower to get ready for work. And I just began to just, I have felt faith just began to well up inside of me. And I was like, Lord, this is not impossible for you. I thank you that you have this. I thank you that our hearts are right in you are going to bless this. Wasn't even what, Davy. An hour or two later, I get a phone call from Dave, and he said, Rhea, you're never going to guess what. But you see, what happened was I chose to not look at my Jericho and say, wow, that thing is way too insurmountable. I can't take possession of that. Instead, I said, you know what, Lord? I have a promise from you that every place I step my foot in faith, you are going to give to me. Now, that's not manipulating God. It was God saying that what we had planned, this was a God thing that we were doing, and why should we not expect his support? Why should we not suspect his financial backing? Why should we not expect God, if he wrote the check, he's going to pay for it? If he gave the order, he's going to pay for it. And so I just began to speak of that, and I'm telling you, it wasn't long before he rewarded that faith. Do you see how that works? And so Joshua, he is confident because he knows it might be a big obstacle. It might be overwhelming. It might be what the world says is impenetrable and impossible. But he has a promise from God. And that promise from God is driving him. The promise also that God is with him. And if God be for you, who in their right mind can be against you? And we've got to get that in us. 
We've got to get it in us. And so Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Now I have no idea where I'm at in my notes, so I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants here. Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was securely shut up, and I just love this. See, Jericho was a fortress. It was a stronghold, and it was the obstacle that stood between the Israelites and them taking possession of the abundant life that God had for them, the, the life of, of, of abundance, the, the land flowing with milk and honey. And, and Jericho was the first obstacle they came across to taking complete possession of Canaan, of the promised land. Are you with me? They had to get through Jericho, which was known as an impenetrable city, before they could begin to taste of all the goodness that God had for them. And some of you have a Jericho in front of you right now, and you are backing down from it. It's an obstacle that's overwhelming, and it's keeping you from, from the joy that God has for you. It's keeping you from the peace that God has for you. It's keeping you from really walking in the abundant life that God has for you. Maybe it's a, an addiction, and, and it's keeping you from all that God has for you. And, or, or maybe it's a prodigal child that's keeping you from, from the peace in your home and, and from all that God has for you. Maybe it's a marriage that's really in, in bad shape and, and, and your spouse isn't changing and you feel like if he could just change or if she could just change, I, I wouldn't be like this. And, and that's keeping me from all that God has for me. Maybe it's a, a mountain of financial debt that's keeping you from the fullness that God has for you. Maybe it's a job you hate. Maybe it's a spouse who's cheating. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you, each one of us have a Jericho, have some Something that's keeping us, that's obstructing us from walking in the fullness of all that God has for us and wants to pour out upon us. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. Now I love that because they, 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 you need to know that when Joshua went in with Caleb and the other ten spies, what report did the ten spies bring back? These people were, we're like grasshoppers. We're nothing. They're, they're everything. They're powerful, and we don't stand a chance. And now here, those same people have securely shut up their city because, you see, they heard about the Israelites and their God. They heard that their God lifted up the Red Sea and they crossed, uh, crossed on, on dry ground. They heard that their God gave them water out of a rock. They heard everything that God had done in their life, and now they're afraid, and they have securely shut up their city. They have, they're tightly shut up, and they, 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 they're, they're living behind walls. These walls were not just little walls. Let me just tell you about the walls of Jericho. You've heard me speak about them before, but it, you need to know that these were not little walls. Let me just find my notes here. The outer wall was six feet thick and about 20 feet high. The inner wall, there were double walls was about 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. Think about that. But usually, in a city like that, there would have been a pit that they would have had to get through before they ever even got to the wall. Now, Jericho, the walls were impenetrable because even if they got over the first one, they'd have to get over the second one. And there were archers on top of the walls. There were watchmen on the wall. The chances of getting into that city, it was a tightly shut-up city. It was known as an impenetrable city. Some of you here tonight have walls like that in your life. You're an impenetrable city. 
you're securely shut up because you know what? You don't, you don't want to get hurt. You don't want to get wounded. You, you don't, you don't want to deal with anybody. And so you're so securely shut up. And they were shut up because of fear. They were shut up because of insecurity. They were, they were shut up because they, they were fearful of what people could do to them. And some of you here tonight are securely shut up for those same reasons. But can I just tell you, the same walls that you think are keeping you secure are keeping you from the abundant life that God has for you, from possessing and taking possession of all that God has for you. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none went in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. I have given. It's already done. It's, a fut- it's something that's going to take care of, take place in the future, but it's already accomplished because I'm God and I can do that. I have given it to you. And so when you go in to take possession, keep in mind it's already yours. Doesn't matter what obstacle you come up against, it's already yours. And see, that's God's promises to you. They're already yours. And so you might have obstacles that look like are hindering it or look like it's impossible, but I can promise you they're already given. They're yours. They're yea and amen to those who believe. I love that he said, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. That word see there is a very interesting word. It, it means, let me just find it for you. It means to observe, to look, to consider, to give attention to, to discern, to distinguish. I want you to give attention to this, Joshua. See, I've already given it to you. Pay attention, it's already yours. See, I've already done it. Not see, I might. Not see if you catch me on a good day, it's yours. Not see if you're good enough, it's yours. See, I've already given it to you. It's yours, Joshua. I've already given it to you. And then he gives them some instructions on how to possess it. He said, you shall march around the city, all you men of war, and you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Now, you need to know that he's saying, Joshua... Here's the game plan. It's already yours. But this is how you're going to walk it out. I want you to every day, I want you to take your armed men. Now, not everybody went. Some people stayed at the camp. They were were in the camp, and and it was only the armed men, the skilled men, the men who were um, equipped. And I want them to go in, and I want there to be priests there, and they're going to blow ram horns. Now, you need to know that there was a difference between a trumpet and a ram horn. And this is really ironic here because the horn that they're talking about was the horn that was blown for the Jubilee. That, that's really important here because you know the Jubilee. Uh, when they blew the shofar, they, it was really to proclaim the presence of God. And, and in a year of Jubilee, when that shofar was blown, what it said was that the, the slaves would go free, that, that land that had been taken was going to be returned to the people, that debt would be canceled. It was a good thing. It was a time of celebration. Can you imagine if you had been a slave and you heard the sound of a ram's horn, you heard the sound of a shofar, you would know, it's the year of Jubilee. I get to go free. 
if you had been in debt and, and that you owed a lot of money and the money that you couldn't pay back and you heard that shofar blow, what would that say to you? My debt's been canceled. I get to go free. Now, do you think that that was a, oh, yay, I get to go free? What kind of shout do you think they gave then? I would imagine it was pretty, uh, better than the Packers scoring a touchdown. Would you not agree? See, we've forgotten that shout. Turn over to Psalm chapter 89. Lord, stay with me here. Psalm chapter 89, verse 15. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. Do you know that that word joyful sound, I think the ESV says festive shout. <laughs> Blessed are the people who know that shout. It's the same word that's used here. What he's saying is, blessed are the people that understand. Do you, you see, do you remember when Jesus came on the scene and he went to the synagogue and he said, give me the scroll. And he opened it up to where, where it was quoting Saul, uh, Isaiah 61 where it says, I came to set the captive free, to release the prisoner from darkness, to bind up the brokenhearted, to declare a year of the Lord's favor. Do you remember when he did that? And he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Stay with me. I promise this is worth it. He says, today, this scripture, the one who came to set the captive free, to release the prisoner from darkness, to, to, to heal broken hearts, to, to set the, the blind eyes, to make them see, the, the one who came to do all that is in your presence right now. It's fulfilled in me, Jesus is saying. I am the one who's going to do that. A year of jubilee. I'm going to declare a year of the Lord's favor, okay? And so Jesus is saying, that fulfillment is found in me. And so when the psalmist writes, and he says, blessed is the man who knows the festive shout, who walks in the light of your countenance, what he's saying is, blessed, happy, to be envied, is the man who understands that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is is the source of his freedom, that Jesus is the source of his, his liberty, that Jesus is the answer to every question he has, that Jesus is the one who can heal his broken heart. Blessed is the man who can give a festive shout to that, who understands that he can shout in the presence of God because it's done, it's completed, it is his. Oh, is that not good? Because when Joshua says, don't shout till I tell you to shout, he said, I want you to walk around. I know you're looking at this city and you think it's impenetrable, but can I tell you, you've got a promise from God. It's yours. I know that everybody says it can't be done. I know that everybody says it's impossible. I know there are giants in there and there's a well-trained army behind those walls that are really trying to intimidate the socks off of you. But can I just tell you, God said it was yours. And so we're going to take possession of this. And here's what we're going to do. I want you to get your armed men and we're going to walk around this fortress, this stronghold, because some of you have a stronghold in your life. So we're going to walk around this stronghold once. See, some of you march around that stronghold, that promise, that, that, that problem, that obstacle in your life that, that is impenetrable and looks impossible. 
You march around it all day long. And see, when you march around something, it's always in your sight. You can see it at every, every new place you go. You can see it. If you're marching around something, it's always there. And see, some of you have a problem like that, that you're marching around every single day, not once. You're marching around it all day long. Will this thing ever come down? This thing is so big. Oh, I'm like a grasshopper in their sight. I don't know if I can do this. This is really big. I just don't think I can handle this. And you're marching around that thing over and over and over. And I love that Joshua said, God said, tell them they can march around it one time. One time. And I want them to go, and I don't want them, I don't want them to say a word. I don't want you to speak. He says, you will not say a word. I don't want you to voice anything. And I looked up that word, and that word voice, I don't want you to make any noise with your voice. <laughs> oh. Can I tell you that sometimes we make noise with our voice? A clanging noise with our voice. We make proclamations that really hinder our walls from following, our falling instead of, uh, of, of making any difference. We march around that and we make noise with our voice that's really not bringing any walls down. No, no rocks are falling, no, no bricks are falling. They were just marching around it, making noise with our voice. And Joshua says, I don't want you to say anything. The only thing that I want is that trumpet, that ram's horn, that shofar, that festive shout. That festive sound that says, Jesus is all I need. Jesus is all I need. Jesus is all I need. I'm marching around this thing one time today. Jesus is all I need. I'm making a proclamation. You know what, Walls? I'm not talking to you. I am talking to myself right now. And I'm making a proclamation that you might look big, but Jesus is all I need. Jesus is all I need. Jesus is the answer. And then the Bible says that Joshua said, you can march around at one time, and then you go back to camp, and you rest. You rest. Oh, I've been talking to, to Leslie about the scripture that says, my people, God says, my people, I have this place of rest for them, but they would not enter in. They won't enter into my place of rest because of their unbelief. And Joshua was saying, you get to march one time because you already know God said it's yours. God fulfills his promises. You get to march one time knowing those, well, I don't know how it's going to happen, but those walls are coming down, and then you go back to your camp and you rest. You rest in God's promises. You rest that it's yours. You rest that he settled, He said it and that settles it. And I don't care how big those walls look, God said it. The next day, you get to go around it one time. He did that for six days. Does anybody know what the prophetic number six stands for? Prophetic number of man, of flesh. So I, I, he didn't stop at six. Six days, he walked, they walked around it. Can you imagine going back to camp, their wives and their children? Now, these are the armed men. These are the men of valor. <laughs> they're coming back. They don't have their clothing aren't dirty. They're not sweaty. They're not full of blood. Honey, how was your day? Good. What did you do? We just marked, marched around Jericho. You marched around Jericho. Yeah, that's what Joshua said. Really? How's that working for you? Can you imagine... The people on the, the, the wall, how they were making fun of them. There are those Israelites marching around again. Can you imagine waving, spitting at them probably, thinking they were foolish? Because you see, sometimes God's ways seem foolish, don't they? Sometimes they seem silly. Sometimes he says, you know, forgive because I've forgiven you. And you want to say, that's not going to work. He says, uh, you know, I will keep it perfect peace. Him whose mind has stayed on me. Just keep your mind on me and I'll keep you at peace. Really? That seems a little silly. 
He says, pray for, those, pray for your enemies and bless those who curse you. Are you kidding me? That's silly. He says, give and it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken over, and overflowing, whatever it is. Really? He says, tithe, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse, and, and, and I will pour out a blessing you can't contain. Really? Sometimes God's ways seem silly. His battle plan seems silly. Don't be anxious about anything, but through prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to me, and I'm going to guard your heart and mind with peace that passes all understanding. That's ridiculous. What about my problem? If I can't be anxious about it, who's going to take care of it? That's ridiculous. Sometimes God's ways feel that way, don't they? His battle plan seem ridiculous. So for six days they did that and they went back to camp. And the seventh day, now remember, I want you to remember that as they're marching around those walls, they haven't seen anything change for six days. Joshua, I don't think this is working. I haven't even seen one little brick fall. You know, how about we get a battering ram? How about we get some shovels? There are other ways to take this city. Uh, Jewish historians say that there were like five different ways to take a city. You could scale the wall. You could dig up underneath it. You could get a battering ram. You could, you could do a Trojan horse kind of thing. There were other good ideas. Lord, I got some good ideas. I think after the sixth day, I might have been like, Lord, you know what? How about we just go get a shovel? I got another idea. Anybody like that? When you have a Jericho in your life that it looks like is impossible and God tells you to do it one way and you do it for a while and then you start thinking, this is ridiculous. I got some other ideas. How about I lose my temper? How about I tell him a thing or two? How about I move out? How about I whatever? How about I take things into my own hands? Because it seems like there's nothing happening your way, God. Keep doing it. Because I have surely given it to you. If you do it my way. See, notice it was conditioned on his way. Here's my plan. Rest. I got this. So the seventh day, he goes, and they march around it seven times because you know the number of seven is completion. But it's also God's covenant number. It's God's covenant with his people. You know that you're in covenant with God. He means what he says. He'll be faithful to his word. He'll do what he's told you he will do. And then the seventh day, they, they, they blew the, 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 the horn, the festive sound, and they gave a shout, and that's the shout that Psalm 89 is talking about. And the walls began to fall. The walls began to fall. Let me just ask you, what is your Jericho? What is your Jericho? What looks impossible? What is the stronghold that keeps you from experiencing all that God has for you? What is the thing that the enemy has erected in front of you and makes you feel like you can go this far and no farther? Do you do what Joshua has said and don't say anything? I love that he said don't say anything because you know what? The first time I faced an obstacle or a big problem in my life, you know what I like to do? Call Leslie. Chat with Dave. I, I like to just talk about it. I'm a, I'm a communicator, so I got to talk it through. I got I to gotta talk with my words. And, and God says, mm -mm. I want you to be so confident in my word, Rhea. 
that you don't even need to tell your husband. You don't even need to tell your bestie that you are so confident in me that you're just going to go to camp and rest that I got this and that I have given it to you, that you can trust me, that I'm in covenant with you and I'm a covenant-keeping God. What is your Jericho? What is your Jericho? What is the thing that you feel powerless to defeat? Uh, it's interesting to me that so many people were, were camped outside uh, of, of Jericho. Do you know that for, I think, for 38 years, don't quote me on that, they said at Kadesh Barnum, which, which, which was, they would have been able to see the promised land. They would have been able to see the beauty of all that God promised them, but they were camping just outside it because of their unbelief, not believing that God could really take them in and give it to them. And so many of you are in situations like that tonight where God has promised to be with you like a mighty warrior, where God has promised that he is your provider, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that he is God and nothing's impossible for him. That he's your shepherd and you shall not be in want. God has promised that he'll give you peace that passes all understanding, that he'll give you joy that's unspeakable. God has promised. And you're camped outside of those promises, looking at him saying, yeah, I'm sitting here Monday night after Monday night hearing this, but I'm not experiencing the fullness of it. I haven't taken possession of it. I'm just camped outside of it. Do you know that two and a half of the tribes... Uh, uh, I think that was half of Manasseh, Dan, and the Reubenites never lived at the promised land. They fought for it, but they never lived there. They lived outside. Can you imagine how sad that is? And you see, we can go through a whole Christian life, and we can be delivered from Egypt, living, uh, sold out to the Lord, but never experiencing the fullness of his promises, never experiencing the fullness of all that he has for us, parked outside of it, wandering through a wilderness in life because of our unbelief, for the same reason the Israelites did, because of our unbelief. What is your Jericho? Maybe it's a marriage that's beyond repair. Maybe it's a debt that's insurmountable. Maybe it's a job you hate or a person who hurt you. Maybe it's a sibling who makes trouble for you at every turn. Maybe it's a memory that torments you or a doctor's report that doesn't look good. Maybe it's an addiction that's paralyzing you. Have you checked God's word for his promises? Have you checked God's word for his instruction on how to bring that Jericho down? What to believe what, when it seems like, like it's, it's hopeless? It's interesting to me that when the city came down, Joshua said, now these walls are down. And he pronounced a curse on anyone that would ever try to rebuild Jericho. I think it's in 1 Kings, I want to say 16, it's in 1 Kings somewhere where uh, Hiel decides that he's going to go back in and he's going to rebuild Jericho. Joshua, if you look in Joshua chapter 6, towards the tail end of the chapter, I, this is just coming through my spirit, so I just want to make sure I point this out to you. At the tail end of Joshua chapter 6, Joshua says, uh, verse 26, then Joshua charged them at that time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds the city Jericho. He shall lay its foundations with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall, he shall set up its gates. 
his firstborn and his youngest. Do you know who pays? The children. Do you know that Hael, when he rebuilt, lost both of his children? I want to say it happened like 500 years after Joshua said this. I Don't quote me on that, but a lot, a lot of years after Joshua pronounced this curse on Jericho, Hael went back in to rebuild Jericho and lost both of his children because that place was cursed. Don't rebuild what I've brought down. Don't try to rebuild what I've given you victory over. You see, some of you have had victory over an addiction. Maybe it's an addiction like Dave said, which, by the way, Dave's starting that other group for men who are struggling with pornography addiction. Leslie and I have, have, a group on, have two groups on Sunday night for women. I'm telling you, God is moving in these groups. He is setting people free. Addictions are being broken. Strongholds are coming down. People are getting free. And if that's you, don't miss out on this. But when I, when I think about those, the people that, that we're involved with, I look at this and I say, God is bringing down this stronghold in their life. And he's saying, do not try to rebuild it. Do not try to be rebuilt it. Look who's paying. The children will pay. The children will will pay. Don't rebuild what I have given you victory over. Don't try to rebuild it. What is the stronghold in your life? What is the thing that you have to face that says, this is what's keeping me from all that God has for me? This is what's keeping me from the abundant life. This is what the enemy has built and put in front of me that says, you can go this far and no farther. God is not going to give you the fullness that you are looking for. God isn't a promise keeper. Look at this big obstacle in front of you. This week you get to march around it one time a day. You get to march around it and declare a war cry. You get to march around it and, and give out a jubilee shout that says, my God is going to be able to meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. My God is all that I need to deliver me from this. My God is able. I don't care how big that obstacle seems. My God is able. What is it? A prodigal son? A prodigal daughter? What is it? A drug addiction? An alcohol addiction? A gambling addiction? What is it? A man who you want to be in his bed because you need to be affirmed by him? What is it? What is it? Is it, is it a, a materialism addiction that you just think you have to keep up with the Joneses and you have to look good because you feel like you're falling apart inside? What is it? Is it a job that you hate going to every single day and it makes you miserable? What is it? Is it a marriage that looks like it's too far gone and you're just existing in that relationship? What is it? Is it a health re uh, a doctor's report that says you are stuck in this chronic position and you're going to deal with this the rest of your life, just get used to it? What is it? What's your Jericho? Because can I tell you, my God is able. He is able to deliver. He is. But we've got to settle it in our mind that no matter how big that obstacle looks, we've got a promise, a promise from God that he will fulfill that is ours. It's already been given. We just need to take possession. And every place we step in faith will be given to us. You say, well, Rhea, it's not that simple. Well, take it up with God. It's his word. I'm, I'm, only, I'm only proclaiming it. I'm only proclaiming it. But remember, Joshua says, don't let any, don't voice any noise from your mouth. This week when you're marching around your situation, Proclaiming God's word, 
watch that you're not voicing any noise. You say, well, Ria, what does that look like? Me voicing noise would be to say to Leslie, oh, let me just tell you how hopeless this seems. and Let me just tell you how it, it looks like it's, you know, I, I just, I just, I guess it's beyond help. It's beyond hope. And I just can't deal with this one more day, Leslie. And, and, and I just, I, I'm really tired and I'm weary of dealing with, that's noise. Proclamation, a festive shout would be, nothing's impossible for my God. My God's going to meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. My God is able to deliver. My God will deliver. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I'm speaking to that mountain and I'm commanding it to be removed in Jesus. What is your Jericho? I'm going to decree by faith that those walls are coming down this week. And that you are going to be able to take possession of all that God has for you and not settle outside the camp. Not settle for anything less. Do you believe it? Again, getting back to James. It is actually believing the promises of God and walking out in our actions. Actions that line up accord, in accordance to what, what we're believing, what we say we're believing, what we're professing we're believing. So this week, look at your Jericho and respond to it unafraid in a place of rest because you know that your God is able. He's able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it's powerful and it's active, and I thank you that it's applicable to our life. And Lord, I pray that, 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 that the words that were spoken in this place tonight, Father, that they would penetrate, that they would bring life. Your words are spirit, and they are life. And I pray, Father, for people who are discouraged, who feel like they're in hopeless situations, who feel like they are confronting things that are just too big even for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are a Jericho tumbling God, that you are able. You are able, Lord God. You're not just able, you're willing. And so, Father, I pray that as we go out this week and we march around our Jericho, I pray for a confidence that would rise up deep within us, that you really are who you say you are and that you will do what you say you'll do and that your word, your word, Father, is your promise to us, a promise that will never return void. Father, increase our faith. Forgive us for our unbelief. And take us this week, Lord, into a place of great abundance, of great uh, understanding, Lord, of who you are and all that you can do. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.